New to the living healthy lifestyle or a healthy living veteran, this is your place for honest answers. Naturally Savvy with registered holistic nutritionist Andrea Donsky and health journalist Lisa Davis. Hello, everybody. It's Andrea Donsky here. Lisa Davis, my co-host, is away today, so I will be hosting solo. So about, I don't know, probably like a year, almost maybe eight months ago, eight, nine months ago, I had the chance to visit an herb garden. I had never visited an herb, herb garden before, before we started working with a company called Herb Farm. And oh my gosh, so gorgeous. I learned so much about herbs and really, you know, <laughs> I'm going to be speaking today to Alexis, who is literally, we're going to call her the herb whisperer. Would you say, Alexis, that's pretty accurate that that's what uh, people refer to you as? <laughs> I think that's a great honor, but yes, that is definitely part of what I'm doing. <laughs> All right. So Alexis, I'm going to have you introduce yourself, but Alexis Durham, you're the in-house herbalist and botanical affairs supervisor for Herb Farm. But maybe you can give everyone just a little bit you know, of an intro of what you do, and then uh, we'll get on with our interview. Sure. Here at Herb Farm, I'm kind of responsible for um, kind of keeping the herbal boat afloat and making sure that we <laughs> stay true to basic principles of herbalism, you know, in our practices here. So um, that can be very technical things like looking at labels and making sure those are accurate. Um, I'm consistently looking at all of our processes to see um, that we're doing everything correctly and if there's any ways to improve them. I also do a lot of teaching in my role. We have an internship program here that I'm pretty heavily involved with. And I do a lot of public engagement with tours, answering any questions from our customers and, you know, naturopaths, other professionals who might buy our products. So wearing a lot of hats all the time, but that keeps my job very dynamic and very fun. The internship program was super cool when I saw, I saw it, there were a bunch of students, I guess, that were working on the, uh, in the garden. I thought that was awesome. So I know you were saying that you uh, oversee that. So great program. Thank you. I think it's very unique yeah. and really unlike anything else and was actually my introduction to Herb Farm um, when I first started Aww. working the, with the company was through teaching for them. Congrats. That's really cool. All right. So tell us a little bit about your background and your journey to become an herbalist. I find it so fascinating and I want to know what inspired you to kind of go down that path. Yeah, I really feel like it was the kind of a confluence of a lot of different events in my life. I did have a business degree. That was what I initially went to school for and decided during that time that I, I wanted to do something to help people basically to, um, to make a living. And so I was a pre-med student also at that time and oh, took wow. the MCAT and got ready to go to medical school. Yeah. And just decided I didn't want to do that out of the blue. Actually, after taking the test, I just kind of, you know, got a, a red flag that that wasn't right for me. And so I started really working in my garden and spending more time with plants and just kind of trying to find myself, you know, and searching for what was going to make me happy. And that was kind of how I accidentally discovered herbalism was just through my hands-on work with my own plants and thinking, how can I do this for a living and integrate that with my desire to help people? So, you know, that leads me to my next question is, how would you describe herbalism to those who are new to it? I think that it's actually kind of a challenging question. I think herbalism is really, you know, working with plants to help um, support healing and wellness for other people. But I think that that looks like um, a lot of different possibilities. Uh, that could be, uh, or that could mean, excuse me, being a gardener, you know, who grows medicinal plants. That could mean saving seeds. It could mean being a medicine maker. Um, it, there's just so many different things that you can do. Being a teacher, like what I was talking about, or being an actual clinical practice where people are coming to you, you know, for consults so that you can help guide them to the correct herbs. 
So the basic underlying commonality in all of those different career, uh, career fields is that you are connecting people and plants, you know, really to help support healing. So herbalism can mean lots of different things, but I think that's the basic common thread. Hmm. And then, you know, what would be the difference between vitamins and herbs? Because obviously there is a difference, but can you explain what that difference would be? Yeah, certainly. I think, um, well, first of all, what they have in common, I would say, is that both vitamins and herbs can help to support the structure and function of the body. Um, and some herbs actually do contain vitamins. But the main difference is that um, a vitamin is a nutrient. And for the most part, vitamins can't be synthesized by the body. So most of the vitamins that we consume are produced synthetically unless we are getting them directly from our foods, you know, such as plants. Um, whereas an herb can be actually a plant. Um, it also can be a fungi. So um, a mushroom or a lichen um, is another, you know, possibility of what we consider, quote, unquote, an herb. And so herbs help to support uh, biological activities that, again, um, can help affect the structure and function of the body. So um, herbs may actually contain vitamins and other nutrients, um, but that's kind of the primary difference, I would say, between the two. For those who are listening, they, you know, maybe they'll be like, oh, yeah, no, I, I, you know, I've heard about herbs. I'd like to try herbs, but I don't really know what to do or how to take it. So how would you recommend people getting started with herbs if someone has never even taken them? Or maybe they've taken them, but they don't know how to use them the way they want to use them. Oh, that's an interesting question. I think, I, I mean, liquid extracts, you know, are a very easy way to start um, taking herbs. And then also tea. You know, I think is a really, um, mm-hmm. a lot of people forget mm-hmm. that teas are herbs, you know, and that that actually is a form of herbal medicine. And so that is um, a way that we can connect with plants and use them to help, you know, support our healing. So it kind of depends on what a person is trying to do um, and how, like, dramatic the healing is, um, what I would say is the best remedy for them to take. But, you know, another thing to suggest is just integrating herbs into your diet, you know, whether that is cooking with more spices, realizing that the turmeric that in your curry is actually also helping to support your health. So um, I do really strongly encourage people to cook more with herbs and try to integrate them into their daily lives is a nice way to get started, too. Oh, that's interesting. You know, know, it's true, because when you think about herbs, and I... Thanks for clarifying this. You never really think, oh, yeah, well, we're cooking with, I mean, it is an herb, right? We're cooking for fresh basil or rosemary or whatever it is. Those are herbs, too. It's just, it's just, we're eating it or taking it in a different way. Yes, absolutely. Hmm. All right. I love that. So so it's really interesting. Oh, I beg your pardon. Sorry. (laughs) No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say the more that I work with herbs, uh, the more that I see the importance of you know, using them in my diet, I guess, basically. Um, You know, right now it's spring, and so I've been making um, uh, nettle pesto, basically, with the stinging nettles that are popping up in the forest around here. And so um, that gives me the opportunity to consume herbs that are seasonally available and just helps reinforce, um, like, a healthy seasonal diet also. Thank you for answering the question. I was going to say, like, is there a specific time that we should be taking them? You had said, you know, we can eat them all the time, you know, so I guess really there isn't no specific time of when or how we should eat the herbs. It really could be all year round or depending on what we're, ty- what we're looking for to get out of it, right? Yes, I completely agree with that. Um, I would add, though, that if you were looking at taking an herbal product maybe that another company has made, you should really just follow the directions on the bottle. 
um, which sounds really simple, but I think people forget to do that, you know, or on whatever the packaging material is. So some herbs are best taken, like, for instance, if you wanted to take a digestive bitter, you would want to take that 10 to 15 minutes before eating so that you help prime your digestion so that you get the greatest benefit from that bitter herb that you're taking, Um, you know, versus some other herbs that we want to take at different times of the day to help support energy and vitality. You know, you probably want to take those in the morning and the afternoon, but not at night before you're trying to go to sleep. So there there are some, you know, ideal times, but... um, you know, ultimately, I would look at the specific product you're trying to take and see what the maker recommends. That's good advice. So any product that Herb Farm puts out, you always put those directions on the label. You know, it's funny when we when we were in the tea, in the herb garden, you and I were chatting. And by the way, you know, we created Alexis and I did a, several videos that we've now posted on Facebook. You can also find them in our stories and we'll continue to do great stories around Herb Farm reading the label. Like that's what I talk about every single day. And when you were like, yeah, read the label to follow, you know, you know, follow how to take herbs. I'm like, well, oh my God, like such a simple, such simple advice. I'm like, of course that's going to apply to taking herbs as well. So thank you for that. That was uh, that was great advice that some of us may overlook, right? Including myself. <laughs> oh, my, myself as well. It's, it happens on a daily basis, basically that I get to remind people <laughs> to, to look at the instructions. <laughs> so incredibly common thing to do. We just get very excited, you know, about doing something new. So yeah, exactly. easy to right, forget. So you, mentioned, you mentioned, you know, taking herbs, you're drinking, you know, in a tea. What's the difference between like, you know, obviously a liquid extract or what's a liquid extract and how does it compare to taking, let's say your herbs in a capsule or a tea? I mean, basically, uh, a liquid extract, um, extracts in general are um, created when we remove the um, phytochemicals, so those are plant compounds, from the actual plant material itself. And so, um, in the case of Herb Farm, we remove those phytocompounds um, or phytochemicals into alcohol or a combination of alcohol and water or glycerin. And so, that is kind of the liquid that we then have people... Um, take the herbs through. So that's kind of the vehicle by which we extract them and then they take and absorb the herbs. So a tea is actually a liquid extract. It's just made using water, you know, as the extractive medium Mm, versus a capsule. Um, A capsule tends to be powdered herb material, you know, or another kind of concentrate, um, you know, depends on the company, I guess, kind of what they put into the capsule. Um, But that is all, you know, enclosed in an encapsulated form, obviously. And so the main difference between the liquid extracts to me and the capsules is that you can't taste the herb that's in the capsule. And so sometimes that's great because the herb is not palatable and you want people to actually take the herb, you know, and so a capsule would be appropriate. Um, But there's also something to be said for actually experiencing the smell and the flavor of an herb. That's kind of when it starts working on the body. So that's, that's a big difference. You don't get that smell and flavor, the taste when you're taking a capsule versus a liquid extract. You know, that's a good point. I'm going to be doing a story. So if you're not following Herb Farm on Instagram or Naturally Savvy, please follow us both and at Andrea Donsky because I'm going to be doing some stories on Naturally Savvy when I tried Spilanthes. Did I say that correctly? Spilanthes? Spilanthes. You did. Yes, I remember that. (laughs) So there's going to be a great video that we're going to post on our Instagram story of me trying Spilanthe. So thanks, Alexis, because it's true what you were saying. You get to actually taste it, you know, when you're taking it in different formats, whether it's a liquid extract or, you know, eating it on its own. So, you know, you said you're an herbalist. What type of jobs exist for herbalists? Is it something that is easy to become? Is it something where people can 
you know, if you become an herbalist that they can get jobs easily. Tell me a little bit about that. Uh, you know, honestly, um, I, a job like the one that I have right now here at Herb Farm, I would say is very unique and pretty uncommon, you know, so to work as an herbalist in kind of this business-like setting is very unusual. I would say most herbalists are kind of pathfinders, you know, and kind of trying to create their own way. Um, many herbalists are small business owners, and so, uh, you know, you'll see a lot of folks on Etsy, or excuse me, Etsy, selling uh, their products that they've made at home. Um, folks might be gardeners that are kind of providing herbs to their local communities. Um, I did work for a seed company at one point that was run by an herbalist, and so what he did was grow medicinal plants and then collect the seeds and sell them to other people. Um, I've also worked with some folks who are in clinical practices, so um, those are what we call clinical herbalists, and so really they're working in that clinic-type setting. There are a lot of herbalists who go out to their local community and help treat underserved populations. So, and, you know, it's just, and I'm sure I'm actually leaving out, you know, some other um, different kinds of herbal works. Honestly, actually, now that I say that, there are chemists. You know, um, you could go into chemistry as an herbalist. You could go into research. You can write a book. You can, you know, be a teacher. So it's really almost limitless what you can do with your knowledge of herbs. And I think that's kind of an incredible thing about it, although I do remember when I got out of school it feeling really daunting to think, well, what am I going to do now? And what kind of herbalist do I want to be? But the great news for most people is you just get to continue to evolve, you know, as you learn more about herbs and yourself and become the kind of herbalist that each person really wants to be. And can you just clarify what the difference between an herbalist and a naturopath is? Because, excuse me, I'm sure you get asked that a lot. Sure. You know, it's really honestly basically the level of education. And so an herbalist has been trained, you know, pretty extensively, depending on where they went to school. That's always a great question to ask an herbalist is where you got your training. Um, But really their training was focused on herbs, you know, and um, making and using herbal preparations versus a naturopath who went to more extensive schooling, probably has a little bit more experience with anatomy um, and some of the harder, um, you know, uh, more in-depth sciences. And then they learned several different modalities. And so that could mean they're focusing on homeopathy. Um, They may focus on more like physical medicine or nutrition, um, or some choose to focus on herbs. And so Mm. if that makes sense, it's kind of the schooling, I would say, um, is the major difference between the two. And that a lot of naturopaths do know about herbs, but from what I've seen that um, herbalists and naturopaths can work hand in hand really well and kind of fill in the gaps of what each other knows. No, that totally makes sense. Well, I have a question for you. <laughs> I always like to know, you know, as an herbalist, what are your free, what are your three favorite herbs? Do you have a do you have a favorite? I'm sure you're going to say I love them all, but is there, you know, one, three, four, or five? Is there anything in, you know, that you have a favorite of? Um, it's yeah, it's a great question, and it changes. You know, my, if you ask me tomorrow, I might say something different. Um, but the herbs that I'm really connecting to right now would be uh, one of them is holy basil, which mm, I just love really it. love. I love taking that as a tea. Have you tried that one? I do. Yeah. I love holy basil. Yeah. I have tried it. Yeah. A lot. (laughs) Great herb. So that's one of my favorites. Um, Lemon balm is another one of my favorite herbs, which I think is just very humble and very calming. Um, And and I love to grow that one. I love the way that it smells. And, um, you know, I guess this is so hard. Um, The other one for me would be hawthorn. That's one of my favorite medicines for the heart. Um, It really helps to support the physical and emotional heart. 
and is just a tree with a lot of mythology and history and just um, a really beautiful story that I think is really applicable to um, a lot of people in this time that we live in. Oh, I love that you say, you know, I haven't tried Hawthorne. I should look into it. I know I could look at it, you know, at Herb Farm because I know. So, you know, for someone like myself who loves to learn and loves to always, you know, educate myself, do you have any resources that you could recommend to myself and to those who are listening if they want to learn more about herbalism and herbs? Yes. You know, you know, it's an interesting question um, because I think we look to the internet for a lot of our information right now, but you can find a lot of conflicting and misinformation about herbs on the internet. Mm-hmm. And so my sure. first resources tend to be books that I go to. And one of my favorite authors, especially um, for someone who's just starting to get into herbalism, would be Rosemary Gladstar. She's kind of okay. considered the godmother of modern herbalism and really did a lot to help support um, this kind of herbal renaissance that we are in right now, because there's definitely a resurgence of herbalism and herbal medicine as we, you know, are trying to reconnect with the earth again. And then if you are looking um, for some online resources, there's a great website called Herb Rally, um, H-E-R-B-R-A-L-L-Y, that's got a lot of information on herb schools. Um, If there are some podcasts and articles available, what's called a monograph, which is kind of an in-depth look at single plants, you know, like getting to know all about calendula. There's an incredible amount of information on there. Um, And then you can also look um, to an organization called the American Herbalist Guild, which is a great resource for how to find an herbalist in your area. Uh, They offer webinars, you know, and other opportunities to just really increase your education. And then I would also mention looking locally in your area for an herb school, because that's the best way for you to learn about the herbs that actually grow where you live. That's great advice, Alexis. Actually, that's a great idea. If you want to go back to school and you want to learn about it a little bit more in depth, that's a good idea to check out your local school listings. This has been very eye-opening. Thanks, Alexis. This is great. I mean, herbs is one of the or, herbs are or is one of those you know things that I didn't know a ton about. So thank you for opening up my eye, my eyes. Is there anything else that you'd like to share with our listeners before we end for today? You know, I just um, anything we can do to encourage people to connect with the earth. I think is really positive and to yeah. give thanks, you know, for all of these plants and all that they do for us and really to help um, just support us in so many different ways. And, you know, I really want to stress the importance to people that, um, yes, these plants can help take care of us and support our health, um, but that that should be a relationship of reciprocity where we take care of them too. So just always like to help people keep that in mind. I love that. Thanks, Alex. And that actually gives me the opportunity to thank our sponsor for today, because without Bigelow Tea, we wouldn't be able to interview you, Alexis, and amazing companies like Herb Farm. So thank you, Bigelow Tea, for making an amazing, amazing cups of tea. You can learn more about Bigelow at BigelowTea.com. And you can learn more about Herb Farm at Herb-Farm, that's P-H-A-R-M.com. Alexis, thank you so much. Have a beautiful day. And uh, please say hello to everybody at Herb Farm for me. And then, you know, take a deep breath in that herb garden, because I really miss it. (laughs) I really do. (laughs) You You got it. I hope you come back, Andrea. Thank you so much. All right. Have a beautiful day. Stay well, everybody.